testimony. Hey guys, welcome back to the WBF podcast. I'm here with Trey Biggers. Trey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I was thinking back to, uh, you know, our families have been kind of like close to each other, but not really like close to each other, you know what I mean? Because you guys went to CCA growing up, my brothers went to CCA. I didn't even realize like you and William were just a couple years apart. We were just actually... Was it two years? Two, day or two ago, just talking about William and some of our like interactions playing soccer together and stuff like that so like Mm -hmm. we were just talking about William yeah two days ago what was that like what was it like growing up around William uh you know (laughs) he's a bit of a hothead yeah oh yeah (laughs) I was a bit of a hothead so you know that sometimes clashes but Mm -hmm. no he was uh we didn't I, I didn't go with the basketball scene much so when he kind of entered the soccer scene is when we started interacting but aside from that we were pretty I don't know what got I, – I got to ask him sometime what got him into soccer because basketball was, like, his yeah. thing. Baseball, he liked baseball and stuff. But he's definitely one of those guys, I, if I ever describe him, it's like he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Like, he is very passionate. About everything. About <laughs> everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so, and I can relate. And so that's what, you know, that's what's so – we were probably very similar in a lot of ways, but we just kind of were in two separate lanes most of – all of mm-hmm. high school and stuff. So he graduated a year before me. So. Okay, so it was just a year before you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, when you're around people who are like that, when you're in high school and you're like similar, sometimes it can lead to like you know clashes and stuff. And uh, you know he's he's a different kind of guy. I love him. I gotta have him on here sometime. But um, you know I was talking to Krista Seldat a couple weeks ago on here, and. Um, She's got a couple kids in the youth. You got a couple kids in the youth. I forgot to shout out Shelly, so shout out to Shelly. She's got a couple kids in the youth. And I asked her a question I'm going to ask you. What, what's it like being, uh, you know, serving with, you know, kids, you know, a youth group and having kids in the same age group and stuff? I think, I think it's, of course, I just started what? I, earlier this year, kind of started helping working back there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's. I think it's a blessing to watch them grow and like start to you watch them grow up but then when you're helping in the youth and you're seeing like you see them raising their hands, answering questions, engaging, focusing and then you know on a Sunday you see you know one of them Rocco, you know whatever run over and help and, you know, give. And so you start to see their growth, not only physically as they're, you know, now taller than me, but you also (laughs) get to see the growth spiritually and them starting to like step up and lead uh, by example and stuff. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see that and help in whatever capacity we can. So, yeah, I was serving with the youth for maybe two months before we went to the ramp yeah. and then I got the pleasure of being roomie, roomies with your with your boys so I got to kind of like officially get to know a couple of the guys because yeah. I hadn't really known any you know I'm awkward and shy <laughs> so helping awkward and shy youth is like it's a real stretch for me but getting to see them in that atmosphere and then Rocco got to go to the you know the youth the children's uh, ramp and I got to have him on the podcast and just kind of getting to watch their interactions and how they grow and stuff. Yeah, I was – yeah, I went on that one too, and that was actually good just to see, like, him and Trinity just 
really step up and just be a leader. I mean, just Mm -hmm. like, you know, a lot of the kids, they just, again, Rocco's over six foot, so a lot of the kids just thought he was another adult there (laughs) (laughs) to listen to, you know. And so he – but both of them really stepped up and were really good leaders and really encouraging the kids and being there and supporting and praying over them and stuff. So it's – it's encouraging to see, you know, as John talks about going into this ramp season, that not just the adults stepping up and, and taking mm-hmm. charge and initiative into th- into new things and in new areas, but you also see, you know, all the way down to the children's and children's church and mm-hmm. on, on up through high school and stuff stepping up, so... You know, it's so important. I don't think I've mentioned here at all, and I need to mention on here more, that our church gives opportunities to the youth, gives opportunity to these teenagers to step up. You know, I think that's lacking in some areas and a lot of other places. Like, if you give them the opportunity to step up, a lot of times, more times than not, they will. And that's when you really start seeing the growth is whenever they step up to serve. I mean, we have you, we have them um, serving in our children's church and all ages and all sizes. They're back there helping. They're part of the baptism team. They're part of all these different teams. So it's really cool that we're, like, allowing them to step up and, and see what the potential is. Yeah. I think it's important. I mean, that's one of – I mean, it's uh, – for me, uh, my heart really goes back to just discipleship. And I think that is one of the key things, especially starting out with them being this young, is mm-hmm. put them in a position where they don't necessarily have to be in charge, but they can watch somebody be in charge and learn by example mm. and start taking the initiative on their own. And so that's what discipleship is. And so being able to start seeing that in the youth and pushing them into those areas and those you know opportunities is that's where they're going to grow, not just you know, being another fly on the wall on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. actually getting them involved is, I think, super important. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've had people on here talk about John giving them words and stuff. And then Slade got called out and he, he got the, that. The, yeah, the <laughs> biggest call hated out, that. <laughs> you know, get calls up on the stage and we have a big old group of us come up there and I know you were emotional and stuff. What yeah. was it like to have that kind of moment with your son up there and that call to ministry or call to something like higher than himself and being a part of that? What was that like? I Just to see both of them and especially Slade, I mean, they both they have such a roller coaster emotional story just with their life and everything they've gone through even at a young age and so to see them especially Slade start to come out of his shell because he could really recluse himself and to see him actually starting to come out of his shell and go towards that calling a little bit more even if it's just like baby steps inches you Mm -hmm. know it's such a it's such a blessing to see that um growth in him as well just uh you know because you always want your kids going in the best most positive direction and sometimes it's it's hard like you as a parent you're like am I doing the right thing am I doing the wrong you know Mm -hmm. it's hard and so other seeing other people, John and Garrett and other people start to have impact in their life. Cause 
that's such that's such so huge because sometimes as a parent you're just like I don't know what to do anymore you know mm-hmm. and so we love seeing that we love that he's he's really get, starting to engage and stuff too as well so yeah I I was wondering what made him tick for a while because he was so to himself you know but you know on the trip I, re- I realized like uh, he really loves information yeah so oh. he, he brought like a bird book. Yeah. You know, a book full of, like, biological information on birds. And I was like, what's that about? And he just, I mean, it lit him up. He just started telling yeah. me all this, st- all this stuff about animals and stuff. I was like, oh, so you're information. I get it now. So he loves information. And it, it's cool to see him and their giftings and how different they are, you know. They almost look like they could be, like, the same age. But obviously <laughs> they're, like, a, a couple years apart. But they're just, like, you know, like you said, six foot. They're huge yeah. and everything. No, Slade is definitely, I mean, he is just... When he wants to know about something, he's just instantly downloading as much information about it as possible. And it could be just sometimes the most useless facts information, <laughs> but then all of a sudden he pulls it out of nowhere and he's like, well, did you know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome, man. So compared to the youth that they're in and like the childhood, I, I don't know their whole backstory with you guys and everything, but what was uh, church life like for you growing up compared to it? Well, and I was actually thinking about it, I mean, some today, knowing I was going to come here and talk. And then, um, but even just recently, it, growing up, um, I didn't realize, you know, until looking back in hindsight, just like how blessed of a position I was in you know I was raised in a Christian home was roaming the church halls from when like as soon as I could remember Mm -hmm. you know we went to community Christian academy so I went to a Christian school for 80 percent of my schooling from kindergarten to graduation Mm -hmm. and so you know I lived a pretty I don't want to say sheltered but protected life that I was constantly being poured into um, and wasn't just left out to dry necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, there was always somebody there, um, whether it was my parents, whether it was soccer coaches, whether it was teachers, whether it was youth pastors, there was always somebody at certain stages of my life that was there to influence and pour into me. And not in a negative way. And so mm-hmm. looking back, it's like, uh, it's almost a blessing that I took for granted, you mm. know. And so that was, you know, so f- pretty much my entire life I've been in church. Um, I think I've taken it for granted, too, uh, in, in different seasons of my life, because I was the same way. Yeah. Uh, up until middle school, I went to CCA. So very sheltered up until that point and then protected. And then, uh, you know, God's shown the real world in a different way from middle school on, but I was still always in church, yeah. you know. And I think there is part of us that can, like, not realize, like, what's getting poured into us, you know. And you notice it a little bit more now serving with our youth that not all those kids have had the same upbringing as we Exactly. Have. And I think that's where the when – you, when you work with – I think for me it, I, it was a realization earlier on um, because after – high school I eventually went into a ministry school ministry program and so we traveled around I got to see a lot more things that you know didn't see in little old Paducah Kentucky (laughs) um so I think early on I realized but I I think I still took it for granted and not it Hmm. you know 
once you have kids and you kind of see what your kids go through and then you, you know, you're older and you start seeing what the other kids go through, that's when, you know, it really starts setting in of like, I was blessed to have the upbringing that I had, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just a, something that, I wish I would have realized a lot sooner in life on how blessed I was in those mm-hmm. areas. So, so you got into ministry school after CCA. What what was the name of it? What what, what was that? Well, I mean, really to back up before that, I think, um, because you know, when you're in school, I I think I would, in school even at CCA, I think I was your semi typical high schooler, like, mm. you know. Um, not necessarily getting into a lot of trouble, but kind of that typical high schooler thing of like semi guilt getting into like going to parties, maybe not drinking or doing anything yet, but the temptation and the 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 offer was there, mm-hmm. um, and um, and kind of starting to get a little bit into the the smoking pot scene and stuff like that, and. Uh, it was actually between my junior, it was right after I went to church camp, the same church camp I'd gone to since I was little bitty. And I think it was a week or two later between my junior and senior year. Um, I totaled my car at 85 miles an hour Mm. and wasn't wearing my seatbelt. So I was fully ejected out of the car. Um, I ended up at the hospital paramedics nobody thought I was going to make it there uh they actually took me they were going to take me to Western Baptist they took me to Lourdes because it was closer and because I didn't even think I'd make it to Lourdes got there um had I mean my back my head everything was all tore up looked like I was mangled by a bear um man and uh, ended up with 150 stitches and that was it Wow. No broken bones, no internal injuries, no uh, serious head trauma. Um, I mean, I had a, I had a cut across pretty much from ear to ear across the back of my head, um, but no like concussion, no concussion, anything. no memory loss, no n- nothing. Wow. And so that was a. Uh, Reality check, I guess you could say. Yeah, because <laughs> you feel invincible up until that. Point, yeah, right? exactly. As a teenager, you feel invincible, and I remember shortly before that, I was kind of, you know, like high schoolers, like trying new things. I was starting to kind of try smoking, mm-hmm. and I remember getting to argue with my mom, and like just to kind of like get out of the argument, told her like, "Oh, this will be." whatever, my last pack of cigarettes, Mm. you know, and Mm -hmm. ended up losing that pack of cigarettes in the car accident and have never picked up a cigarette again since then. And so Mm. that, that was a serious wake up call for me that, Mm -hmm. you know, life short and I'm blessed to be here Mm -hmm. and that I'm here for something, you know, for something more than what I understood. And my entire life, everybody had always been putting this, um, 
you know, you're going to be, you know, you're going to, you're called to be a leader. You're called to be a leader. You're called to be a leader. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. <laughs> like that's, that's a big uh, burden, you know, to try to carry a, at a, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old. Um, and then, you know, you survive a car accident and you're a 1% survival at a rate or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, maybe I have called for something. And so it was pretty much a year to the date of my car accident. Um, went back to the same church camp when I graduated high school, um, had no plans, I guess. I mean, Mm -hmm. I graduated and I had no clue what I was going to do. Um, and went to the same church camp and I kind of got this calling vision all my life, um, and then that's when the doors kind of opened up to the school in Springfield. Wow. So do you remember much about that night, the car accident? Did you, like, remember driving and then just waking up in the hospital? Well, it was or? actually <laughs> – so, no, I remember it all. Uh, yeah. I was actually – was out the night before with a bunch of friends doing dumb stuff. And, uh, of course, it was in the summer. It was in July. And I – um so it's not like there was school or anything. And I had a orthodontist appointment to get my braces off. And I woke up like an hour late for my appointment. Mm. And so I was like speed demon rushing to get into town. And uh, I was, uh, it had rained some the night before. It was like lightly misting, mm-hmm. raining kind of. So the roads were wet and. Um, just enough. Just enough that it came around a turn hydroplaned um i was actually going underneath a set of train tracks and as i hydroplaned i thought i was going to just go into those pillars of the train tracks and that was it Uh Um, i remember thinking that like literally like this is it um hit the embankment flip rolled my car um it ended up probably 150 feet past me um on the other side of the road I was up standing in the middle of the road. My shoe had come off. I walked over and picked up my shoe, put it on (laughs) before the first. And I was on a highway. I was on Highway 62, so it was a busy highway. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was up walking around before the first car pulled up. um, And um, So it's almost like the car almost like kind of dumped you and then kept on flying. And then kept on going. Wow. Um, And so one of the first people that showed up just by accident was a volunteer fireman. And so he immediately jumped into lay down. We need to keep your head restrained. Um, I I remember they laid me on the side of the road, like in the grass. And I remember wanting to get up because, um, and I kept saying like, you know, it's the, the grass is itching my back. (laughs) And I didn't realize it wasn't that my, the grass was itching my back. It was that my back was ripped to shreds. Right. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I remember, I vividly remember everything. I mean, I was so, uh, of course I called my parents. Um, my dad showed up at the hospital. I remember the first thing I said was, you know, sorry about the car. Cause in my <laughs> mind, I'm like, oh, he's going to kill me about the car. And he's like, you know, he shows up and he's like, I don't care about the car. Like, 
yeah. so like you know so yeah I remember there's not a single thing that I you know that's what I said it was just to come out of that pretty unscathed yeah. is a miracle I mean there's it's nothing short of a miracle um when I came to like I said I came to standing in the road um I, I came to crying out for help, and it was, um, and this is kind of the where the realization a year later at the church camp is that I wasn't crying out for help. In a, in a sense, I was crying out for help because I was just in a car accident, but it was on a spiritual level as well. Like Ooh. I was crying out for help um, on a spiritual level from God, just wanting to find me where I was. So, yeah. And that's kind of a realization I came to a year later, pretty much anniversary to the accident. And you had over 200 stitches. Yeah. And no, nothing cut like an artery, no severed arteries, no nope. like no severe blood loss. I mean, that's pretty insane. Um, you know, you're talking about like having people tell you you have a calling on your life whenever you're like a young 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 teenager and you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. It's like, how do we better explain that to people? Because I had people telling me similar things, and it's like, what are you? how are you supposed to put context to that as a kid? Yeah, and that's, I mean, not to fast forward to, but that's one of the things me and Lindy have talked about um, here recently is, and we're actually fixing to at the start of the next year do a life group with middle and high school kind of focusing on identity because mm-hmm. when you're that age and somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I know God's called you to be a leader and it's like, okay, you know, I don't even know who I am right now. Right. Like, um, and so how do we, how do we, when somebody is called to something like that, how do we then help them walk that out, you know, and not mm-hmm. just say, Hey, you're called to this. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, give them some, like, here's what you need to be doing right now kind of thing. Okay, this is what it, being a leader looks like for you yeah. right now. You know, we can't sit there and prophesy your whole story. Obviously, right. that's between you and God to figure out. So there is some of that where you have to kind of figure it out on your own. But we can give you some footsteps. We right. can give you some a path. That's an awesome. That's awesome that you guys are doing that. It's definitely something needed for sure. Yeah. So it was um, – so, yeah, that was uh, – that was something that was kind of, and it was always, you know, I knew it was something that was real because it was like somebody would tell me this, you know, at a church camp down in Memphis, and then somebody that was unrelated to that person back here in Paducah would tell me the same thing. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if you've got 10 different people that have no connections mm-hmm. telling you something like, you know, but that's, like I said, that's as a teenager and with not knowing the direction in life, it was kind of a overwhelming, scary thing to like, try to think about. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, the, the ministry school, um, it's called master's commission and it's a discipleship program based out of the assemblies of God, um, and they have their kind of organizations set up all over. 
don't remember how many. I think it was like 96 whenever I was there. They had 96 different kind of campuses. They had mm-hmm. one major campus in Phoenix, Arizona. And then they had 96 smaller campuses all over, but they were all kind of connected to the one in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was back in 2006. So I don't know if it's grown or shrunk since then. Um, and so that was that was kind of the next step that next gave me a direction of where to go. Yeah, how did you I, hear how did you hear about it? Um so like I said I I'd gone to the same church camp since I was oh, right. 7 years old and there mm-hmm. was um there was two people, one from Branson, Missouri and one from there in Memphis that kind of we were all friends from going to the same camp every year and mm-hmm. hung out and talked and um they kind of started talking about it and all the and just was like, you know, I think this is something that would be good for you and and you should look into it. And so that kind of opened the door. They kind of – because, I mean, I would have had no idea anything about it yeah. if it wasn't for that. That connection. That connection there. So. That's cool. So it What's was – the curriculum like? Um, so they do – so the curriculum is – it's a lot of hands-on, like, serving and doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they do – you do go through Berean, which is um, basically the Assemblies of God for, like, their curriculum to be ordained gotcha. through Assemblies of God. So you're taking classes on Berean, uh, reading, doing the papers, you know, all that typical stuff. Um, but then it was very, very hands-on, like – there wasn't a day we weren't doing something, uh, whether it was community base, um, within the church. Um, I mean, even simple things to, you know, we cleaned the church. We, mm-hmm. um, did all the youth and children's ministries at the church. We had a door to door, um, I guess you could say it was a ministry, but it was more of like we would go door to door every week and see if anybody just needed something, you know, needed leaves raked, needed, you know, their backyard cleaned out because they had, you know, whatever, just Mm -hmm. how can we help the community? Um, One of my favorite things we did, um, and I loved it, was uh, on Saturdays we, uh, it was called Kick It, and it was Kids in Christ Kingdom in training is what the acronym stood for. And we would go, there was um, essentially three kind of low-income housing complexes fairly close by. And we would go there. um, We started off the first couple weeks kind of going there and just going door-to-door, canvassing, handing out flyers, saying, you know, the ministry is about to start up. And so then every Saturday we'd go there and we, most of them had basketball courts. So we would go to set up some speakers and start playing music, just super loud. (laughs) And all the kids knew what that meant and they would come running out there. And so you had, um, anywhere from kindergarten, sometimes even younger, somewhat up into high school, mostly 
middle middle school. There may have been one or two high schoolers there, um, but we just did a sidewalk kids like Sunday school on Saturdays. That's awesome, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was because a lot of those kids had nothing. They came from broken homes. Mm-hmm. They came from abusive parents, you know, and so we got to pour into them every Saturday, not just Saturdays. I mean, we were able to involve them in a lot of stuff throughout the weeks too. They're at the church and mm-hmm. Christmas time. We all like drew names of kids that were part of it and got presents for them and stuff like that. So, um, and the church was really involved with that too. And so it was, a uh, that was one of my, one of my favorite things that we did there in the mm-hmm. community. Cause it was like, you really got kids are so young kids are so they just want to be loved mm-hmm. and so so easy to just love on them and that you know mm. that that just makes their day you know mm-hmm. so um but yeah so it was that was a lot of the hands-on stuff there locally and we did a lot more different things um but then we did a lot of um outside of local stuff, we, uh, that year Katrina hit, uh, we sent a team down to just help. Right. The same time there was a tornado that hit, a town, um, Joppa, Missouri up there and decimated it. And so we sent a team there to just help Mm -hmm. in any way. Um, we then, um, we also did other, Ministries. We went down to to uh, Dallas and Fort Worth area and did uh, some mission work there with the homeless and helped with in a homeless shelter. Um, it was kind of a, I guess, unique homeless shelter setup. They they gave them lunch and dinner. You could come for lunch and dinner, but the only way to get the lunch and dinner is you had to sit through a sermon. <laughs> <laughs> and so people wanted their food. They had to come in and sit through. And so we did a lot of. Uh, we were able to lead some sermons there and stuff, but you know, it was, um, it was a lot of, we were doing the worship, we were doing the human videos, we were doing, um, some of the older ones that had been their third and fourth year were doing some of the preaching. We also had two pastors that had gone through the program. Um, and I guess if they were, if you want to call them, they had been through the program, like six years, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of their like seventh year in the program and they were kind of our head pastors, um, for it, running it. And, and yeah, so we travel around the country, um, and just served mostly. What better way to like get, you know, get to it than be the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, especially while you're learning, you know, the Bible and whatever. That's really cool that you guys were out there and serving like that. Did you go for four years or how how many years did you do? I only did one and we had opportunities to, because like I said, they were all over. Um, We had opportunities to branch out and go to some other ones. A lot of them went down to a kind of a down in Texas um, where we had, where uh, one or two of the girls had been to the to the one in Springfield, and then they went back to their hometown in Texas and mm-hmm. started it down there. That's cool. And so we had there were several people that went down to there because we kind of had friends and connections there. But um, 
and then there was another one there in Springfield we could have gone to, but we had, I, I had, I started dating a girl at that time and we thought we had a connection there. The one, the one that we were a part of had some hardships, um, not our pastors within the program, but the head pastor over that church had gone through an affair. And so the church mm. pretty much fell apart, um, which then, you know. So we, all these different places are kind of getting ran through different churches. And yeah, yeah. They're supported, by, they're supported by the Assemblies of God church. You know, they're right. funded, they're supported, they're, you know. And so when the church falls apart and that tithe and donation and that offering, all that stuff comes out, mm-hmm. you, you know, you no longer have a ministry program to support anymore. Right. Um, and so that one fell apart. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> instead of going elsewhere to another one, um, there was a church there in Branson that they were kind of in talks of wanting to start the same thing. And that's where a lot of my close friends from the, the camp, the church camp that I went to, and kind of got me the connection to go there, were at was in Branson, and so they were in talks of you know we're gonna we're gonna start a masters up here in our church, you know, our home church here in Branson, mm-hmm. and we want you to come help be a part of that. And so that kind of was like okay, you know, we'll go here, and then things just fell apart there, and never really took off. Nothing really took off, and so that ended up kind of just being a about a year and a half of just like, you know, you're, you're doing all this stuff on fire and then it's just like nothing. And it mm. just kind of just all of a sudden the brakes just got hit and it just slowed down. Um, and so I was there kind of twiddling my thumbs waiting for something there in Branson for about a year and a half and nothing about until. So finally I was like, okay, I'm, it's time to go back home because I'm, Branson is not where I'm supposed to be, I guess. Mm. So it's so hard to like see consistent success yeah. in Christianity for some reason. I mean, even this church has had its pains. You know, <laughs> whenever I was a kid growing up, there was a season where we were at the Carson Center, it was on fire, and obviously things happen. But, and we're in this season again of where it's like this resurgence. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I really believe this is like the real heart of what it's supposed to look like. But with, with that comes attacks from the enemy. And uh, I wasn't in the Sunday service where they did the baptism and John was talking about being attacked. I was with the, the kids. But I, I, from what I heard, there's a lot of people in our church right now who are getting attacked. And that's when you see those cracks. Mm-hmm. And so we've both been through similar seasons of that. And it's like we got to be like aware of that. You know, people are probably like really getting fought, you know, getting beat up. Yeah. And uh, it's sad to see. Yeah, it was. Um, and it's so funny that Garrett talked about you know church hurt and stuff like that um, yesterday, and mm-hmm. because it was like I went through this um, season where everything was going great, and then there was this you know really kind of a huge catastrophe within that church mm-hmm. where. Um, everything just goes crashing down. And then, so obviously there was some church hurt there and then you go off and you kind of are a little bit feel like you're heading in a direction and promise something. And then that comes kind of falls apart. And so there's church hurt there. And then I came back to Paducah and it was like our home church 
Um, I probably wasn't even back six months and kind of a similar story happened there and church hurt there Mm because the church falls apart and it's just like, and so I was starting to get like this bitter taste by the time I was like 2021 of like what an organization called the church and not necessarily the, the Christ body of the church, Mm. more of the building and the people and to, you know, to a point that I was just like, well, I don't really need church because church is just a building with a bunch of mm-hmm. people that are just going to hurt you. And it's so easy to do that, right? <laughs> to like, m- like put it all in one box. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was just like definitely constant church hurt after church hurt after church hurt that, you know. Um, and then, you know, and so eventually we found ourselves here at Facing Her probably – well, I mean, you were still in middle school whenever I found we were here. and Were you and Lindy married at this point? No. So at that point, I was still – I'd come back home. Um, we had – You were – how old were you at that point? You said 21? 20 – I think I was 20 when I was back home. Okay. And then, yeah. So 20, 21, um, I was moved back in with my parents, had a house that we were working on remodeling. So I was kind of in that in-between of, you know, that – living with my parents, trying to get out yeah. from under my parents. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and, uh, but so as a family, um, we, had, we found ourselves back at, or we found ourselves at face center. Gotcha. Um, and so I, you know, I started getting, trying to get pretty involved with that, you know, cause I still was on a, even with things that, had kind of seemed like they were dead end roads and stuff. I still kind of had this fire and I knew I had this calling. And Mm -hmm. so I tried to almost immediately start finding a place or position or something where I could Mm -hmm. serve. Um, And so I, I started helping with the youth at that point. And then with the middle school um, at that point, and then me and uh, my friend Nathan Burrow had started a college um, life group. Mm. So we were, um, I think, I'm like 95% sure, me and Nathan and some other handful of other people that some of them are still here at the church and, and some aren't, but were went through John's first, like, life group leadership training oh cool at here at the church and so we came out um and kind of got a a college life group going and Mm -hmm. so that was a that was a good um kind of started to kind of grow with some different people here uh because when i came back i really had no really no connections like you know Mm -hmm. after high school everybody kind of just goes their own way for sure and so that started allowing me to kind of get a few connections with people here and people in church and everything like that um plus at cca there was like what 20 kids (laughs) so there wasn't that many kids to stick around yeah yeah 20 kids in your class and you maybe like two of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so um so yeah, I, I I got I got rolling. Kind of started doing some stuff here at Face Center, and then I think like me and you talked about the other day, 
mm-hmm. I got in this um, mindset of not building – I think going back, and this is why I'm so passionate about wanting to start this life group on identity with these teenagers – even going through all of that, everything that I, ministry, my car, just everything, mm-hmm. I never really knew who I was in Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so, and what my relationship was supposed to look like with him and just all this different stuff. And so, I was always, I was always more chasing this calling and this position rather than following Christ and letting him lead me into this calling and position. Mm -hmm. And so when things kind of started what I thought in my head, not going my way um, or the way I wanted it to, um, I kind of let these instead of being, well, I mean, I was 20, 20, 21, whatever at the time I was immature. Um, I let my pride and all this stuff kind of, and the past church hurt just kind of say, yeah, like if this is how it's going to be, I don't want any, any part of it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of walked away from church at that point and just was like, ah, I don't, I don't really need church. Mm. It's just, you know, I can believe in God and I can love God and be a Christian and not need a church organization, as I would say at that time. As a man, I just, I can see how easy it is to like chase the calling, chase the title more than like chase the Lord. Mm -hmm. And like, even in doing this, I feel like I'm called to do this. There's been times where I've had to catch myself and not do it in my own strength. It's like just second nature for a guy to say, let me just do it. Whatever it is, you, you know, you have a vision, you have someone tell you a word, you have the Lord tell tell you himself, like, you're supposed to be here in this position. Yeah. Well, the position's gone, Lord. What, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. You know, and then you can give up, you know, get hard and heart and stuff. And so I, I love that that's part of your story because, it, for me, it's inspiring to know, like, in doing this, whenever I come up on hardships in my own in my own walk, in my own head, I like, just keep on going, you know. Sometimes you just got to keep on pushing through. And I think, and, you know, like I started to say, and I don't know if I finished it, but – uh, I think a key thing is if if I would have known who who and what my identity in Christ was, mm. then it wouldn't have been – I would have seen those and had the maturity to see those things of like, okay, you know, uh, this person was put in charge over me. It's just – it's not my time, you know. Mm-hmm. It's And I think maybe I said it to you. I said I was so ready to lead – that I didn't know how to follow. Mm. And um, and so, you know, that was one of the things is he was trying to show me how to follow mm-hmm. first, and I was I was trying to lead even <laughs> even him and like, no Lord, this is the direction, <laughs> this is the direction we gotta go. And it's yeah. like he's like trying to pull my hand, pull me back and be like, no, 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 no. I need you to learn to follow first. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I I found myself um, just kind of falling, you know, falling off the path 
that kind of God had put before me um, mm-hmm. and found myself just, you know, not, I wouldn't say, not in any type of like super bad situation. You know, I was never an alcoholic. I was never mm. a drug addict. Um, I struggle with pornography. Uh, I think like most most men, if they're honest, do. Mm. Um, and so that was a huge hindrance in my life. And so, you know, pornography and using women, trying to find, trying to fill that void uh, through women was one of my biggest downfalls. And so I just kind of started leading me down a path away from what I knew the direction uh, he was calling me for. And, you know, the more I went down that path, the more shame I felt. Mm -hmm. And so then rather than humbling myself and coming back and saying, you know, Hey, I messed up. I just continued down that path. Mm -hmm. That shame is real, man. Yeah. Because it's like, you don't want to tell nobody. Yeah. You know, it's like, I just rather hide and keep on doing it and push, push (laughs) myself further into the shame uh, me and Chris were talking about that a little bit. It kind of ties in with depression a little bit. Whenever yeah. you're sad and you're you're you don't want to tell nobody about it. You just want to internalize it and, right. and like sit on it. Yeah, and so it was, um, you know, and that was something I never uh, it until even recently this year, just sitting down and talking to Pastor Jeff and stuff about different things. Um, like, if you would have asked me five years ago, do you struggle with depression? I'd be like, heck no. I never struggled with depression. And then actually sitting down and talking with somebody and kind of going through counseling, it's like, you've struggled with depression since you were in high school. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's what that was. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you're the most anxious person I've ever met. I'm like, really? <laughs> Is that why I can't sleep but two hours at night? <laughs> and so it's uh, – so, yeah, I mean, even back then, you know, I was uh, – Looking back now, again, hindsight, it, uh, yeah, I was definitely struggling with depression and anxiety and all that stuff and didn't even realize how bad I was struggling with those things. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, to a point that, you know, like we talked about before, how blessed I was raised in a Christian home that I was, you know, out here dat- dating a completely atheist mm-hmm. woman that. I mean, our views on everything in life could not have been more polar opposite. And it's mm. like, what are you doing? Like, you know, this is not going to go or end well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time with this? And um, and so I just kept going down holes, holes like that. Um, and just didn't know. And really, you know carried that toxic mindset into uh, meeting Lindy and into my marriage. Um, mm. And so we, uh, we met on uh, May 11th of 2012. And um, it was, I actually was really good friends with her cousin and, her cousin had us come in and look at fixing some stuff in the daycare that her sister ran. Mm-hmm. And so we met, she, uh, she was sitting in the chair with Rocco. Rocco was, uh, 
a year old at that point, and she fell out of the chair backwards and hit her head on the wall. And oh no, that was the first time we met. Oh man. <laughs> uh, and so we, um, but yeah, we 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 started talking, and she was in a rough situation at that time. She was had just filed for divorce, um, hmm. and that was a not, I mean, I don't want to get big into her thing, but yeah. So, you know, that was not a good marriage. And Mm -hmm. so she was trying to find her way out and then filed for divorce. And then a week later we meet and we start talking and we rushed into things very too quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so not only did I bring a toxic mindset, toxic view on women, into our marriage, she brought baggage from mm. a toxic marriage, you know, into our marriage. She was uh, ready to feel good again. Yeah. You're the provider. You're coming and you stepping into a situation where she had kids. Right. You know, that's, that's a big step. My yeah. dad did that for my brothers. And like, that's a lot to do. You said, uh, Rocco was one held with Slade. Slade had just turned five. Yeah. So, I mean, you're stepping into, like, fatherhood immediately right. once you guys decide, so. Yeah, and that was a big thing for my mom. You know, she sat us both down and was just like, I mean, within the first, I don't even know, month or two of us maybe starting to date and was like, there are kids involved. Mm. Make sure this is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, again, we. And you're uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, mom. Yeah. <laughs> so, we. uh Again, we rushed things. Uh, she was, at that time, lived with their mom. They were getting, their lease was up. They weren't going to be able to stay there. Um, so she was needing a place, and it was just like, well, I've got an extra bedroom. Just move in with me. And so at that time, she was still going through the divorce process because, you know, her ex found out about us starting to date, and so then he just drug everything out for right as long as possible and so again we rushed into things and that made you know again we didn't start our marriage off on a great foot um (laughs) Mm. by any means whatsoever and so we um and again lindy she um she was raised in church too um her entire life you know all of her family still you know go to church deeply it's you know Mm -hmm. You know, some of them come here now. Dana is, you know, back there with the kids every Sunday, and that's, you know, her aunt. And so both of us were raised very blessed in godly homes, and then we both were living a very outside-the-church lifestyle, Mm. and we get together, and immediately um, she has her mind made up of this is where she wants to go to church. And I have my mind made up of this is where I want to go to church. And both of us were not willing to give Uh in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And so the solution was just don't go to church. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, uh, again, when you start off a relationship and you start off a marriage on that foot, you know, things are not, looking good for the long haul um you don't think about that though right right in yeah, the moment no, you're, you're just like yeah. whatever we'll, we'll and, figure it out again you you know 
you don't realize how young and stupid and selfish that you're both being, you know, marriage mm. is supposed to be, how can I serve her? Right. And her mindset is how can I serve him? Mm-hmm. And when you're both just wanting to serve yourself. Yeah. I've definitely been there. And so, um, sometimes I catch myself still doing that. I'm like, Hey, I need to humble myself a little bit and serve her a little bit better because you can get in your feelings and think, yeah. well, I deserve this. It's not about what I deserve. Sometimes it's about what she deserves. Right. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And so, you know, and so we came into it, we had, a. Uh, but the church is a huge thing. I mean, you know, the de- denomination and pastor and everything. I mean, that's a big decision. So right. I can understand why there was like a big like gap yeah, there. Yeah. And so, you know, we, um, we didn't have a agreement on that. And so we, we both just kind of were okay. You, we knew there was other, you know, there was also the, the, the thing of, you know, we were, till we got married, we were living together, you know, outside of marriage. Jody and I did the same for, uh, she, obviously we got together while she was going through a divorce. So, you know, we had that. So again, mm-hmm. a lot of the shame mm-hmm. and not willing to, uh, especially with how you grew up. Cause you're way more conscious of that yeah. than like the world would be. Right. And so, and you're also, you know, um, and it's kind of not, it, it's kind of a toxic Christian church thing of like the judgment of mm-hmm. somebody that's living that way who needs somebody to reach out and be like, Hey, this is what you all need to do when they get judged and you see that judgment or you see that, you know, mm-hmm. that pushes people away who actually need to be brought into the church so and true. sat down. And, um, so, you know, we got married. Um, we were, um, we, of course, Lady Rocco, so we had to. So I was joked about, you know, I've got a pre-made family. <laughs> and <laughs> and so we um but we got married in September um found out in October that she was pregnant with Ren and that he was due in um June and so we are actually due in July he came early but so we found out we were pregnant in October we bought a house in January, started remodeling it. I started a new job at that time, uh, around that same time, um, where I was working um, from 3 o'clock in the morning to like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, mm. five days a week. Um, so that's a major change, life adjustment. Uh, her dad, uh, it was around spring, March, April, May, um, got sick. And almost died. Um, and so he had to have heart surgery. So he moved in with um, my sister-in-law at first. And then once we kind of got the house finished, he then moved in with us because we had a bigger house, more room and stuff like that. Kind of have his own bedroom and everything. And then Rin was born. The whole time we were dealing with a pretty toxic um, ex um, that you know, just making threats and just different things like that, that we were mm-hmm. constantly have to deal with. And so that's a lot. The first year of our marriage mm-hmm. was a lot. Yeah. And we never, you know, a lot of the way it should be and how things should be designed is 
that first year of marriage is honeymoon phase. Honeymoon phase. Right. Just you and your spouse, just whatever, walking around the house with no clothes on, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you don't, you know, we just, we like went into it and went into it hard, you yeah. know? And, um, and so we never really got that honeymoon phase and it was always, um, she is a very much of a caring and wanting to take care of people. And so she never got the opportunity really to be able to take care and put me first. There was always something, somebody Mm -hmm. else. Um, And then vice versa, you know, because I started, you know, seeing and feeling like, Oh, well, you know, she's putting this over me or she's putting that over me or she's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I started doing the same, started building resentment up and being like, well, she's going to be this way. I'm going to be that way. Or, and then yeah. when I'm that way, she's like, starts building resentment and starts, you know, mm-hmm. it just becomes this pile up, pile up, pile up. Um, until a point of in our fifth year of marriage, um, basically everything hit the fan. And um, it was early May of 2000. Well, it was first of the year of 2019. She came to me and right after Christmas, right before New Year's. Uh, so 2018, right at the start of 2019, said that she wanted to separate, um, that she wanted to get a divorce. And I was just like, at that time, I was like, I'm blindsided. But, you know, looking back, it's like there are signs all over the place. And I was just too much of a man. To see that, you know, where when I was Jody threatened to take the ring off when we were engaged, I was like, "What?" <laughs> it's so crazy how there's can be so many things yeah. wrong, and you just kind of like, "Well, we're married, right?" Or, "Well, we're here, so we're good." Yeah. You kind of, and then those conversations are like re- reality checks, yeah. you know. And so, I, um, I fought tooth and nail. Um, Did that make an instant shift? You know, like you were like, "Okay, whatever I gotta do." No. Uh, it didn't, and I was almost to a point where, uh, I wasn't almost, I was definitely to a point of like, I'm not letting go of this to a point that I was like choking it. What little life was left in the marriage? I was choking it out. Mm. Um, and so it, things kind of, you know, that all happened January. Things kind of were going up, down, up, down, mostly down, but maybe about March, it was kind of like okay, we'll try to work things out. Um, we start sleeping in the same room again, just like we'll see what happens. We'll try, you know, maybe we'll talk about counseling, you know, whatever. Um, and so things were kind of okay for a couple months, and then around May she kind of was like, I, I think I still want to separate. I think I want to go. I think to really get healing and everything, I think we just need to separate. I think both of us need to – have the time apart and figure things out. Mm. Um, and at that point I had sat down. I mean, there had been whirlwind of things that happened during that January to May, but I had sat down with John several times and kind of talked to him about different things and just, what do I do? What do I do this? You know? And a lot of it was like, you know, you're so focused on what she needs to do and how she needs to change. What about you? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, never stop to think about that. <laughs> um, 
and so we, and so when she came to me that the second time and was pushing for it again, I, the first time I was like, no, absolutely no, absolutely no way. Um, the second time I had kind of been, I'd really getting back, start seeking the Lord more. Cause I knew obviously if I'm going to save my marriage, Again, it was me trying to do it myself, mm-hmm. and that's where I was choking it out. Um, but then when I started me with John and stuff, it's like, okay, the only way this marriage is going to survive is if God takes control. And so I started really pouring myself into going to men's meetings. Um, I started meeting with Brian Duffy, talking to him. Um, I started coming back here to Face Center. Um, I started just meeting with John some, just different things, getting into the word. And so when she came to me a second time, you know, my response was like, okay, I don't want this, but if this is what you feel like we need to do, okay. Mm. And so that, so that whole week um, I was running and I was really getting into prayer. And the whole week um, – God had been putting on my heart that three years before that I had been unfaithful and Mm. that I needed to tell her Mm -hmm. and that that is why we were where we were. and I'm like, <laughs> of course you're this like, she's wanting to leave me, God. Like, if I go to her right now and I'm like, hey, by the way, I was unfaithful three years ago and this is what mm. has built a wedge between us. Um, she's definitely going to leave me. There's no way I can do that. There's no way I can do that. That would have been terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been terrifying. And so just I, I was running that entire week every morning and afternoon and just listening to worship music and praying and the whole time. He's like, you got to tell her, you got to tell her, you got to tell her. I'm just like, no, no, no. Mm. Um, and so everything kind of came to a head on a, on a Saturday night. And um, I had found out things and that she had done and came clean about what I had done. And it was just too selfish broken, toxic people who didn't know how to love themselves or love each other, realizing that we couldn't do it on our own anymore Hmm. and um, that we're both unfaithful and that something had to change because not only were we suffering, the kids were suffering. Hmm. And so... We, mix of emotions that Saturday night. I mean, I think everything kind of happened around 10, 11 o'clock. Uh, I don't think we slept at all. I mean, every whirlwind of emotion you could imagine or think of came out that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point during the night... Um, uh, I looked at her and said, you know, I want to go to church tomorrow as a family, and I want to go to Faith Center. And she said, okay. And, and that, you know, that was, 
Space Center is where I had wanted to come back for years, and she always pushed back against it and just was like, I don't want to go there, you know, I don't want to go to that church, you know, different stuff. And so mm-hmm. we, um, so she agreed with to go with me that morning. Um, and we went and came in, sat down. We probably both looked an absolute broken train wreck of a mess because we were, every emotion was drained out of us. We had zero mm-hmm. sleep. Um, and Pastor John and Pastor John f- fashion, um, just all of a sudden, you know, back to us, turn immediately around, made eye contact with us, and then come charging over there and just like read our mail. Mm. And the sermon couldn't have been any more directed towards us. Um, and we uh, walked outside and got in the vehicle and she turned around and looked at me and said, this is where we should have been all these years. And that was the restart jumpstart to our marriage and our restart of our walk with God. You said that was 2019. Yeah. In the years since then, man, looking back where, like where you guys are now, is it just like crazy? Like, you know what I mean? Do you think back it was to so, that? it was so frustrating because that happened early 2019 and it was still like, by no means, don't get me wrong. You, you run yourself through a toxic mess for so long. It doesn't just change overnight. Yeah, like there's habits. And there stuff. was a lot that still had to be worked through mm-hmm. for, you know, over a year. I mean, well over a year we had, there was hurts that we had to deal with. There was, did you guys get into counseling? Yeah. So we've, even recently we even just went into counseling with Jeff kind of together and stuff. And, and I had done, I had done some counseling on my own and, and everything like that. We had met with John and Sarah several times kind of right after everything happened. Um, and so, yeah, there was just, there was a lot obviously that had to be dealt with and worked through and you know, all that, you know? And so we, um, but of course, you know, that happened early 2019. We got back into church. We started going. We wanted to start being a part and start serving. Um, and then went through discovery. And then our last discovery class actually got basically canceled because everything was shutting down for COVID. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we just, <clears throat> which again, I was frustrated and kind of mad about. And it's like, hey, here we are. We're getting back in church. We're going to, we want to start serving the Lord and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, at that time I was kind of upset and mad about it. And now looking back, it's like, well, we still had things that we had to like work on ourselves, mm. you know, not just as our marriage, but like as individuals as well. Mm-hmm. Like there was still, she still had <clears throat> to learn who she was and what her identity was and vice versa. Because, mm-hmm. Yeah, we went through this train wreck, but we got in that train wreck because we didn't know who 
what our identity was in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we never, we never did. And so it's like you're standing with that shoe off again in the field saying, help me. Yeah. Like you, you survived yeah. this wreck. Yeah. And, and so it was, it was the same thing. And so really for us, you know, everybody was like, oh, COVID was the worst thing. And we're like, you should have went through our year last year. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it, you know, it was not, uh, uh, if anything, it gave us some time to not just like throw ourselves into ministry mm. thinking that was going to solve everything. Yeah. And, um, cause really it was going right back into my old habit of just like chasing Gashing yourself out almost. Yeah. And so, um, so really, again, in hindsight, it was a blessing that we didn't just get thrown back into something before we had a chance to like work on ourselves. Um, and then, you know, we just, there's even over the years, you know, everything we went through, I think the Lord was preparing us for how to be stronger together. Um, like I said, our first year of our marriage was crazy. And, you know, then we came through this. And then shortly after that, in 2021, her dad passed away at 60 years old. And being mid-30s, you're just not ready for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And... And I think that would have been, it was a difficult time because he had lived with us for pretty much since we got, had gotten married in 2014, um, wait, 2013. And so he had lived with us, he off and on, but most of the time he had lived with us. And so we had kids that were super, I mean, he was there every day. You know, when they weren't in school, like when the little two were not in kindergarten and everything yet, he mm-hmm. was the babysitter. You know, while we went to work, he stayed home and watched the kids and stuff. And so it was like we were not prepared for that, but God was preparing us. You know, we were going through all this fire to where when that kind of happened, we were we really learned how that we needed each other, you know, and I realized how much she needed me during that time. Mm. Um, and so, and the kids needed me and all this stuff because, um, and that I needed to, you know, set myself aside and be able to put them first during such a difficult time in life and everything. And so it was, um, everything kind of happened so rapidly, so fast. And it's like, we were, we were like looking for just like a chance of things slowing down to where we can like, okay, where's our, where now can we jump in? Yeah. (laughs) Jump in and like start serving. And, um, and so now being able to finally, uh, this year get into being a part of the youth and really it took, so, like I said, I just started this earlier this year. She had started a little bit before me. Um, she's a little bit quicker on, you know, finding who she was than I was. I was a little bit more stubborn and slow. And so, really, it took a lot of this year to really start deep diving into 
myself and past hurts and different things like that. Um, and so, you know, the first of this year really started working on those things. And we, um, this year has been, we, we kind of set this year and started this year off of like, um, I had a vision or I, I talked to her about it, but <clears throat> basically we were at this point standing in a field and it, it was, me and her were standing there and around us was, the field was full of um, all these weeds that had grown up all around us, um, all these huge rocks, some big, some small, mm-hmm. um, a bunch of dry dirt all around. Um, and that's where we were standing. And God started to reveal to me that that was our marriage. Mm-hmm. What we were standing in was our marriage. And that the um, boulders were all the things that we brought in from our past and we put there in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And the dry ground was all the areas in our life where we weren't allowing him into our marriage, into our life, and nothing could grow there. And all the weeds were the hurt and the anger and the pain and everything we were sowing into our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, movie, you know, like, movie fashion, the camera began to, to pan out, and I saw our kids playing in that field. Mm-hmm. And that hurt as a parent knowing that that is what you allowed, especially as a man in the head of the house, is that's what you allowed your children to grow up and play in. Mm. And so we kind of said that this year is going to be a year of like resetting, you know, um, and we had been going, starting this process, obviously, since kind of everything hit the fan back in 2019. Um, but it was just, there was so much other stuff going on that we never really like really focused on it. And so, you mm-hmm. know, this year it was just like, this is a year of resetting everything, like our marriage, the way we parent our finances, like we're resetting it all. Mm-hmm. And so we just began to slowly start to, you know, uproot things, start to get rid of boulders, you know, in our lives, start to till up the soil and allow God to begin to work in our life and stuff. And so we've, uh, and now, and so that's been a process that we've been going through. I say at the start of this year, it's kind of a little bit the end of the, of last year, but for sure at the start of this year. And, and so now coming to the end of this year, we, I think it was, uh, when was it? It was right around September. We went to a marriage conference. Um, it was, well, it was the end of August, 1st of September. It was right before our anniversary. And um, it was great. Um, I recommend anybody who's kind of looking for that, um, like you feel like there's something, but you're not really sure what, 
what it is that you need to fix fix or, yeah to go to um i think i pushed that one off because it was like short notice and i was yeah. like i used the work excuse and i think that was bad on me i think we should have probably gone and like if we get an opportunity to go to one i'm not gonna miss out on the yeah. next one because it sure. was very um you know there was a lot of things that you know they work through go through and different things they kind of make you check off check this check that and you're like Oh yeah, I can see that in me or, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, um but that was kind of a um we both felt like that was kind of the that was the end of this saga. Um and the beginning of a new saga because we were fixing to 2 weeks later celebrate our 10th anniversary. And so it's like we barely survived these last 10 years. And it was by an absolute miracle of God that we even did. And so the next 10 years is going to be a season of harvesting positive seeds and seeing God's work fulfilled through us. Mm -hmm. And so that's where um, I think I said a similar thing. Um, that Sunday morning, you did after I remember the it. after the really conference, um, and so yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at now. And so next next year, we're looking forward to, like I said, uh, we're we're looking to start a middle school, high school life group. Um, our like I said, our passion is right now is in a world that is. I think always attacking identity. Um, this is a huge topic I could get into and talk for hours on. <laughs> um, but I think the very <clears throat> beginning, I think the entire Bible you see uh, is primarily about identity mm -hmm. and who we are and who we are in Christ. And I think the very beginning, I mean, when, Satan tempts Eve, he tempts Eve with, you will be like God, mm -hmm. and tempts her with identity, a different identity than what she was created for. Yeah. And um, you see the same thing when, you know, so many times in the Bible where you have, I mean, just the amount of times that God changes names of, you know, Abram to Abraham, you, right. you know, even Saul to Paul, and you just have over and over and over again, you have the identity change with the disciples going from, you know, fishermen to fishing men and disciples of Christ. You have, mm -hmm. you know, the day that Jesus gets baptized, God comes down and says, you are my son. And then what's he do? He goes into the wilderness and Jesus or Satan tempts him is like, well, if you really are the son of God, immediately attacks his identity. Immediately attacks his identity. And so mm -hmm. what do we have going on right now? constantly in the media, constantly mm -hmm. attacking these young people on social media and all these different stuff is their identity. They're, you know, are you white? Are you black? Are you... That's so true. Are you liberal? Are you are Democrat? You? Yeah. Or what gender are you? Are mm -hmm. you, you know... And it's everything is focused on, you know, attacking their identity and trying to rip their identity away or tell them you are this because you are 
blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's, we think it's really important right now, especially at this age group, because if somebody doesn't come in and help guide and direct these youth at this age and say, help them, you know, really focus on finding their identity, mm-hmm. somebody's going to. Yeah. And, um, said that on here before that someone's going to tell them their identity. Right. We got to be the ones that like be, be the ones who are voicing. Them. Right. And so I love, I love what Garrett does and the youth and he's, we need more though. I'm so excited that you're, because like whenever I was a teenager, young kid, I was always going to a life group. I was always doing yeah. an extra service. So there, we need more. So I'm yeah. so excited that you guys are going to give them because like, it's even a little bit more comfort. A little bit more, you can dive into something a little bit different, a little yeah. bit deeper and stuff. Yeah, and you get, you start to, and you know, too, with being in life groups and stuff like that, you, um, when you start building that consistency and you start building those relationships, um, you can start to be more open mm-hmm. and honest. And um, that, you know, when, when you get into a bigger church setting, sometimes, especially for teenagers, it gets, it's, it's scary, it's nerve wracking. For sure. And so, it, hopefully, it'll allow them to be able to open up and and. Yeah, Garrett's been doing such an awesome job, and they're already starting to like open up a little bit. Yeah. So with this next level, right, with what you guys are planning on do, it will just help further what's already starting to. Right, you know, and that's what and and I and I kind of talked to Garrett about this Wednesday too, and it's like my house can only hold so <laughs> many kids. You know we. Any given Wednesday here, we can have ten to yeah. like forty teenagers here on a Wednesday yeah. night. It's like I'll handle about eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you know, I think you know. So we can only we can only accommodate so many, but there there obviously is going to be so many more that need reach. And so, yeah, I would love to see. Every kid and every single one of the youth in a life group, maybe not all in mm-hmm. the same one, but like in a group where mm-hmm. they can relate and connect. And so we're excited. We're we're it's something we're looking forward to. I don't know when we're gonna when it's gonna kick off. Um, and so we've got that. We're looking forward to that next year. And then we're also uh, looking at in May. Um, Lindy's heart and passion and has been for years has been with, with, uh, with Debbie Cornwell and, and labor of love. And so in May, it's, we looks like we're going to be going over to Uganda. Awesome. Um, me and Lindy and I, I think- got to have her on sometime, Debbie, cause I've been connected with this guy in Uganda and we're going to do a podcast here once I get, some more equipment and stuff. It's just cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. So, and I think we're able to, it's looking like Travis and Amy are going over there again in May. Well, Travis is going again. Amy will be going for the first time. So it's going to be cool oh, that'll be dope. that, you know, the four of us will be able to go and work together, minister together and all that. And so we're, we're looking forward to that. I mean, there's already, um, and, you know, you're in you too, so you can see in a test, you know, the the growth and change that we see in our our older two, not just our older two, but the little ones too, but just mm. the older two, 
and the youth and getting more um, just their just their spiritual growth and just everything from the start of this year to now is like day and night. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that and and seeing the growth in each other, me and Lindy, you know, being able to recognize her growth and where she's changing and where she's trying and vice versa. This year, like I said, has been a reset. And we're now, we just completed it, like I said, in September 10th, 10-year, 10 10-year 10 anniversary. And so next year it's like, okay, what do we have in store and where where is God going to start using us um, and what direction are we going to go? Because, you know, I've, I've had this passion, I've had this desire, I've had this vision for a very long time in my life, and I've kind of tried to squash it down myself out of shame and regret and pride and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, you know, it's just I couldn't outrun God. <laughs> yeah, he keeps up with this pretty good, doesn't he? So, you know, obviously you got the gear in you for the youth. Like that, <clears throat> that's just like part of your calling. I think something else, like not that you guys got to do like a life group with it, like, you know, married couples, but like just your testimony alone is going to inspire some people. And like people who are, you know, struggling in their marriage might be able to come to you guys and say, man, we're struggling. And you guys have been through some stuff. Yeah. And I think for me and Jody there, it's the same. Like, we can kind of help some younger people who are maybe just getting into marriage. Yeah. And you can help some people who have been in marriage. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and that's awesome because there's so many people who just keep that in behind locked doors. But they need some therapy. They need somebody that yeah. they can talk to. They need someone that they can say, man, I'm struggling. And that know? is something we've talked about. And it's like, <clears throat> that is something we've talked about. And we know that we have a testimony together, um, for sure, in our marriage and you know, that it was an absolute dumpster fire. <laughs> and the fact that we're both sitting in the same room is a miracle. But we want to make sure we're kind of in the right spot, you yeah. know, and not rush into something like that. For sure. You know? And it doesn't have to be like a, hey, let's hang out every week. But it can be just like a little still small voice. Hey, you know, how you guys doing? Yeah. You know, just yeah. reaching out and stuff um, I think can be good. Man, thank you so much for coming on and uh, yeah. being completely open. I love I love your honesty. And um, what's some advice we can give for for those couples out there who are just going through that that tough time right now? You, if if you <coughs> if you're trying to do it on your own, you're never going to succeed. Mm-hmm. You've got to turn it over and give it to God. And both of you, you know, both of you have to be willing to give it over and turn it to God. And because we, it's not going to succeed on our own, Mm -hmm. you know. So we tried that for years. And and for men, because I know this was hard for me, like, you know, we want to have this big, tough exterior, like nothing bothers us, nothing, you know. But really, you know, just like the scars on my back that needed to be healed, I had a lot of internal scars Mm -hmm. throughout my life, throughout my childhood, throughout different things that 
needed to be healed. And those were those stones. You know, Lindy had some of the same things. Those were those stones that we drug into our marriage. Mm -hmm. And those are things that need to be dealt with as well, you know. And so I would say to men, you know, humble yourself and don't be so prideful that you can't sit down with somebody somebody that's qualified and get some type of counseling, some type of help of just like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you need to be honest with your partner Yeah, because you're like, you're like, you're trying to be tough and you're pushing all these emotions away. But sometimes you just need to be honest and say, Hey, this is bothering me. Yeah. Even if it's something silly. Yeah. And like, so, you know, something that stood out with your testimony that rung true with me, true with me was like, I was missing the warning signs. Yeah. So if you're out there and your, your alarm bells are going off and you're numbing it over and over and over again, maybe it's time to like soften up a little bit, humble yeah. yourself and realize like, Hey, we might need some help and I might need some help. Right. When you admit to your wife that you need help, she's the first person who's going to want to try to get you help because she loves you. <laughs> right. She cares for you. She's going to immediately do that for you. It's happened for me over and over. If I break down, I, I can be, I can cry. I can do whatever I need to do. I don't have to be a man all the time. Right. I can be true and honest. And they're, they're going to be the first people. Now they might be meta first, but usually they're the first people who are going to want the best for you, comfort you, you know? So thank you for that advice, man. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. And uh, I love you guys, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thank you for checking out the WBF podcast. If you like what you listen to, I just ask that you hit the follow button at the top of the page, rate the show. You can get on Facebook and check out the WBF podcast page. And hopefully we're launching WBFpodcast.com. Thank you guys for all your support. Um, Thank you. It's just such a blessing to get to bring these testimonies to you guys. And I will talk to you guys next week.